Hello and welcome to the Hash Rugby Chat show. Um, this, as you can see by the title, um, when does rotation become throwing a game? Um, is basically what we're going to be talking about tonight. We're going to talk about, yeah, rotation, mass, mass changes. Um, we'll also talk about the new lifting laws. Um, we'll also talk about um, 2020 international, the um, 2020 as in, not as in the cricket 2020, but in the year 2020. Um, what's the international structure going to look like? We'll have a look at the Pro 14, the Aviva Premiership and the Top 14, um, as well as a little bit of a kind of roundup. And then we'll say what to, what games we're looking forward to this coming weekend. So kicking off um, the new lifting laws. So, yes, there's a new lifting law that's been brought in. And uh, yeah, Australia is very happy about this because they're seeing it as this has been the Falau law. So basically what happened was back in June, uh, there was a obviously a test series between um, Ireland and Australia. And during that, one of the key moments was uh, that uh, Rich Domani, I think, was lifted by CJ Stander and in came Falau, jumped up high, as high as the guy who was lifted uh, and challenging for the ball. And uh, because of, of uh, well, some people are saying because of a poor lift, some people are saying because of contact, um, basically, uh, Amani came down badly. Now, what this new law is saying is that the lifter has uh, is responsible, has to bring down the the person as soon as the ball has been claimed by either side safely. Um, sorry, it's been brought, brought down safely. Now, what is going to be interesting, really, is uh, the application of this. The devil's always in the detail around these kind of things um, and how are, uh, how referees going to judge fair contest um, and all of that kind of stuff. So we're going to have to wait and see as to what the directives are. Um, it's, it's all going to well seeing something written down on paper and a whole bunch of people say, oh, yes, this will sort that out. This will sort that out, this out. But it's going to come down to the interpretation. I mean, one of the things um, that... Uh, uh, that we have um, is, uh, I mean, the one is the high tackle law um, is also another one um, as well. So we'll have to see how that all uh, work. And then basically pretty much every time that someone is uh, bashing, yeah, yeah, you're here, we'll pull you, pull, call you in a sec. Um, everyone's bashing towards the line. Every time they dive towards the line, let's be honest, they do, um, there's contact with the head. So, uh, that's one way common sense has come in and it's going to be to say the application of the law uh, is going to be as important really as the actual law itself and yes rushing in from his uh, cricket meeting um they they can't see you yet no i've not brought you on screen no, um, <laughs> is ashwin how are you doing sir rushed so, Rush, do you have managed to get a beer or, or Rush the, and you bought a beer on the way? Oh, no, it was part of the cricket meeting was the fact that I uh, had a few beers already. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Pre-planning, yeah. I'd like to see. Oh. Good, 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 good. So, have you seen the new law? 2019. No, so, there's a new lifting law. Mm -hmm. um, now, where the person who does the lifting is responsible for bringing the player down safely. Um, which is going to be so it's going to be interesting to see how that um oh, okay so does that mean that the defensive team can basically take out the lifters well that's going to be interesting isn't it? oh take out the lifters oh i thought you were going to say just i was going to say it's going to be interesting to see what they consider to be a sort of fair contest in the air um at the restart yep. um now so, so just, to, just to confirm you said that's the lifters responsibility to get the person down the ground that's the that, that that's kind of the that's well, the I think it says that the, the the law is something along the lines of as soon as a ball has been claimed, the lifter has to bring the person down to the ground. Right. Now, the devil's going to be in the interpretation um, and the guide guidance um, around this. But the the, the 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 thing that's driven this has been um, Israel Folau basically challenging for a ball uh, during the or challenging three times for balls in the uh, in, uh, during the island one of the island games during June. And in one of them, he catches the player uh, and the lift isn't a very good lift. Uh, and so question, it's, it's question marks as to was it Falau, was it the lifter um, that basically sort of tipped the person over? Um, so it's going to be interesting to see, as I say, how, how it's actually, uh, how it's, what the interpretation is by the referees. So basically what you're saying is that it was, it's more around outside of the line-out type environment, but the lifting law will be the lifting law. Which then is sort of like, hang on, do you apply it to the lineouts as well? Ah, uh, no, I think it's, it says it in open play. Okay. 
to be fair. Um, so, but basically you're talking, yeah, basically make predominantly restarts, um, obviously, uh, but also potentially 22 dropouts. You, you can occasionally have a lifter maybe. Uh, so those are the kind of situations that we're, that we're going to be talking about. Um, for yep. this, basically. So, uh, yeah, it's, let's be honest. It's not something that happens. Well, it's something that happens pretty much every game, but it's not something that causes a, um, a penalty. Oh, oh, and the sanctions are free kick against you, against the lifter. Um, if they don't bring free the person down. Against the lifter. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so, so if the lifter doesn't bring the player down safely, then uh, it's a, uh, it's a free kick against him. Oh, well. That'll be very interesting just to see how it pans out. It's interesting what you said. This is like, I think, interpretation for the referees, but also, you know, one of the things when any time a new law comes out, is that the teams look at how can we manipulate this? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the ones about uh, contact with the player in the air and taking away the intent piece was that uh, if you listen to Green and Gold Rugby a couple of years ago, um, again, this was an anti-Flau tactic uh, that uh, apparently we would have players like Conrad Smith effectively just running through the landing zone. Uh, right. With the idea that, well, hey, I've... I, I just happened. I'm just trying to chase the ball, and I just happen to run through where the player's going to land. Um, I've not deliberately taken him out, kind of thing. Um, and this, <laughs> so now, so hence now it's any now you have now you basically have to get out the way of the player coming down. Whereas previously there were yeah there were these players who were just basically putting themselves in the way um, to be landed to be sort of semi landed on. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's so it's it's inter- yeah it's interesting to see how uh, how these kind of laws are. Uh, interpreted um, there is as you say there's always the there's the cynical approach to it and then there's the uh, there's the intent of the actual law itself um, and they yes. don't necessarily always uh, uh, the no. intent doesn't necessarily always always pan out hardly ever yeah because as I say I mean like the, the coaches are always looking for uh, avenue as to how do we get around or how do we utilize this law to our best advantage Yes, exactly. Now, you'd hope that someone wouldn't be utilising this law of basically saying, just get up there, make it look like you're intending to hit the ball and just knock the guy out of the air. Um, knock the support, the supporter, the lifter out. Well, even just, or the lifted person. You, if you take out, you, you, you hit the lifted person, it's the lifter's responsibility to get them down. So, <laughs> let's just... Can't wait it. to see how that pans out. We will have to wait and see how it pans out. Because, yeah, I think there will be... I think we'll still have. I think the, the primary one will be first off. Has has are both people who are jumping, whether lifted or not, um, able to compete for the ball? And if they yep. are, then it becomes the, uh, the lifters' uh, issue. If you can't compete for the ball, then you t- but then you're basically taking the player out in the air. The player out, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just basically come along. A penalty being the more senior or the the more severe of the two. Because that would be a penalty rather than a free kick. Free kick. Therefore, the penalty will overrule a free kick, and um, uh, and it will be a penalty against you. Hmm. Well, and, and this comes in at what? When does it come out? Uh, this came into effect yesterday. Okay. <laughs> and it, um, does it impact the current competitions? This came into effect yesterday. Okay. So right. <laughs> It was see how this goes with Mitre 10 uh, this weekend. Well, Mitre 10, yes, that's one of them. Um, but uh, you, you, can, you can say that there's, yeah, being a much more amateur level, the kind of the interpretations and stuff won't have been filtered down. Um, the interesting one is going to be uh, Argentina versus Australia. Because Falau has been notable. Falau has not been leaping quite so much since, uh, oh, yeah. since his yellow card he got against Ireland. Mm-hmm. So will will we see a return to him leaping lots, and uh, and which way will the whistle blow when he does so? So that's going to be the interesting game. Eleven forty on uh, on Sunday New Zealand time. Yep. <laughs> Set your clocks, folks. Sit down and watch and see uh, see the aerial battle and the new laws because uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Yes. No. Looking forward to that now. <laughs> well. Or anyway, well, I mean, it's an interesting game to look forward to anyway, isn't it? Argentina, um, with the opportunity 
to not be the cellar dweller. Um, absolutely. I mean, they've got, uh, they've, they've now got two wins. Australia mm-hmm. only got one win. Um, and looking at the bookies, um, because I did this earlier because, uh, for some reason, not that I'm a gambler, but according to the bookies, let me find the actual odds. Um, the uh, Argentina are one point eight one, and Australia are two dollars. Okay, so it's it's not they've sort of got them almost a fifty fifty sort of like um, the uh, the Argies getting the hometown sort of advantage effectively is what that is. Yep. So, but Argentina. So yes, yeah, so Argentina are slight favourites according to the bookies. Yep. Um, ah. Hey, um, just before we carry on. Is the chat pop? You haven't had a chat issue in the old YouTube channel? Uh, maybe it's not yeah. working. I think it, yes, it's okay. working. All right, cool. That's right. Um, sorry, folks. I will set up a new uh, a new invite next week rather than just uh, re uh, recopying forward the uh, the old one which I've done done. Taking shortcuts again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And this is the, this is only the third show tonight. I mean, perish the thought. Um, <laughs> The other, I mean, World Rugby came out with uh, with something else as well. Um, so obviously, we talked last week about Augustin Pichot's um, League of Nations uh, competition, and World Rugby sat down and talked about it for for a uh, um, for a while. Um, and uh, Andre, yep, sorry, the YouTube chat is not working, but uh, the Periscope one is. So there we go. So if you want to watch on Periscope and chat, you can do. Um, or you can also try the Facebook one as well. We're, all, we're broadcasting to all three um, platforms currently. Sorry that uh, the, the YouTube one isn't working. Um, and uh, they sat down for a week and talked about this kind of stuff. And they talked about a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things they, they came out and then said was that, yes, we will be uh, investigating making the uh, international rugby, the non-competition international rugby more meaningful, i.e. trying to put a competition in within the structure that we agreed in San Francisco last year. Which means they have three weekends available in July and three weekends available in November to play with, rather than Augustin Pichot's suggestion, which was to do it all Champions in November. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read elsewhere that basically, yeah, that I've seen other people mention that, yeah, that this was uh, this is part of Augustin Pichot's... Uh, Basically, declaring war on the European club scene and trying to front foot it by making uh, international rugby where all the money is, um, not club rugby. Now, clearly, is it teams, yep, sorry. Now, clearly, teams like New Zealand, Australia, uh, Argentina, South Africa, who have a bit short on cash, um, will all be voting for this because anything that means more money is good for them. The big question is, can the uh, European Unions who have got big stadiums that they fill out every time, be persuaded to potentially not have those, uh, not not have those games. We'll have to see. So, which of the European? I mean, like, give me an idea. Don't know, you're not going to be able to list all of them. Which ones are actually able to sell out their stadiums, and and what sort of crowd numbers are they getting? Are they getting thirty, forty thousand? Double it. Really? Wow. So, Club games. No, 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 no. This is for international. Oh, international. Okay, yeah, Sorry. sure. Yeah, so okay. I mean, Twickenham is is, is eighty odd thousand. Yeah. Eighty odd um, thousand, yeah. The Millennium Stadium is as well. Uh, Ireland's uh, a bit smaller, um, and, uh, and same same for um, oh. same for Scotland. They're a bit they're slightly down on that, uh, but they again they 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 are now selling. They, they do sell out. Um, yeah. And France, yeah. I mean, France again is in the eighty odd. Yes, Aviva's. I believe Aviva's only for, is forty. Yes, the the island I say yeah probably yeah I'll ask more because the railway tracks in the way. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> underground. Um, yes, there's all sorts, and I think someone wouldn't sell a house as well. So there were, there were two things that they that they had to try and accommodate when they redid their when they rebuilt Lansdowne Road. Um, I mean, shocking. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, so those that, that, those are the kind of numbers. No, I mean. You're talking. If you look at your top European, or you look at your European side, so Exeter Chiefs, for example, their 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 ground now is about eleven thousand something or other, um, and uh, they they don't sell that out um, every game, but they're getting into those those sort of around that sort of ten k ish kind of number. 
the Newcastle Falcons is down to like five, six K. Uh, sure. okay. Um, the, uh, and uh, the Leicester Tigers, I think they're 22 K and they've got by far the biggest stadium, biggest club rugby stadium uh, at, uh, at about, well, sorry, Wasps will disagree with me there because they've got a, they, they took over the, uh, the football stadium in, 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 uh, in Coventry. Um, but traditional rugby stadiums, uh, yeah, uh, Leicester's is the biggest at 22. Um, so, but it was kind of interesting that uh, they didn't actually say what the format would be, but apparently there are two or three options on the table. There's obviously the original option that we, we talked about last week, which is uh, four mm -hmm. groups of three. Um, but there is also a question of uh, two groups of six. Quite how that would work out, I don't know. Um, the and again, they're going to revisit this in November uh, when they have their next meeting. But uh, there's also talk of yeah, should it be October and November or July, July and November? Obviously, the indication is that they're looking at July and November currently, um, because that would definitely upset a lot of team, a lot of European clubs, uh, if it was uh, October and November. So just to throw a little bit of a, a different angle on this, a little bit. So let's say that they actually, the All Blacks sort of look at it and say, yeah, we need to re create more revenue. Um, what would be the prospects of some of those European clubs wanting to play the All Blacks in a midweek fixture? So, and you know, as a great, a profit, great sharing, great profit, profit sharing type exercise. Um, the, um, uh, so, the, there are definitely teams that are happy to, um, uh, to, 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 to do, to, to do that. Um, but, uh, there is questions as to, um, uh, the, they've got their own club competitions going on. So, so what quality team can they put out midweek? Mm -hmm. Um, basically. So that's, that's part of the, um, uh, that, that, that's, that, that, that's part of the, 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 the problem. Um, so, uh, and that's so, but so, yeah, yeah, they will do that. I mean, we've had, um, Munster, uh, obviously play the All Blacks previously and they had the, 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 the they had, uh, their three, uh, New Zealand players do a hacker back to the, um, uh, to, to, to the All Blacks. Uh, so there are definitely, they, they, these games have happened before. Yeah. Um, I'm just surprised that, I mean, like, to my mind, in terms of as an All Blacks fan or, Sitting here with a New Zealand rugby hat on, is this, I don't understand why they don't take like an extended 30, 30, well, they take an extended squad over to Europe anyway. Um, and just adding a few more players and then actually putting in three or four midweek fixtures in, which then they can do a gate share with the, whoever they're doing the midweek games with. Yeah. It's, the, the, the problem generally is that the, the clubs are also playing on the weekends as well. They don't stop for internationals. Um, yeah, yeah. And so the question is, yeah, then what what kind of side can they put out? Can they put out uh, side? You almost get the feeling though, is, is it didn't matter if they put out a, a you know a, a, a man as dog and a donkey out there. The fact is that their fan base is going to say, "Well, we're playing the All Blacks, and they're going to sell it out." And they, yeah, no, they they have I mean, the Leicester Tigers. I can remember also playing South Africa um, from memory uh, a few years ago. So they they, they have happened, but it is it mm. is the exception rather than the rule. Uh, but yeah, no, and it's, we, we, there's been lots of talk of, um, I mean, we saw when France came down, um, during the, during June window this time, they brought a barbarian side down to play, um, the Crusaders and the Highlanders, which was effectively yes. an elongated or, or an enlarged squad. Yep. Um, um, a bit like when we've seen before when the All Blacks played the USA and, uh, sorry, when the All Blacks played Ireland and the Mary All Blacks played the USA. Um, a couple of years ago, you had a bunch of the All Blacks squad were loaned out to the Maori All Blacks for that one game, um, for example. So again, that was kind of using it as an extended squad. So we have seen these sort of things happen um, before. I mean, France does seem to be the, seem to be doing it because last year they again they took the French Barbarians down and played South Africa A um, during mm -hmm. the dream window. So they do seem to be the most uh, perhaps more. Um, Active, active, and more forward-thinking was what I was mm. going to say. Yeah, forward thinking, yeah. Um, of the of the European nations, from that point of view. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's going to be interesting. And there's also uh, it's been pointed out now that there is a there's going to be a a, a second 
level competition of 12 nations. So you'd have so be 24 nations involved, and the top 12 and the bottom 12, and the, the next 12, um, taking it to 24. Which, if you're trying to expand the Rugby World Cup, which is currently what four groups of five, um, so 20 teams. So if you're trying to extend that to 24, then funnily enough, um, this uh, competition with two lots of 12 or, or two competitions of 12. Six or 12, right? Oh, what a surprise. Oh, that adds up to the number that they're thinking of expanding the Rugby World Cup to. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can see how, they were, how they're thinking about doing their funding and, uh, and trying to up, upskill or upgrade uh, the lower teams to become more, more competitive and give them more competitive games. Oh, gee, that was a lot of numbers there in a one in a short space of time. It was, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the current rugby world cup is twenty. They're talking about extending it to twenty-four. Twenty-four. Um, yep. So if you've got two groups of, tw- we've got two competitions of twelve happening um, for three years, you can see how the twenty-four team, yep. the twenty-four teams would come from. Yep. Um. Then I was going to, have a, I was going to run around the European leagues, which, you, which is probably not your area of, uh, of expertise <laughs> normally. <laughs> um, but um, totally. <laughs> but let's let, let's try it anyway. So the Pro 14, um, and obviously we've had the the South African sides uh, have joined the Pro 14, um, and I'll just bring up the, uh, uh, the the table now. But if we look at the tables, uh, they 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 run a, a conference system with Conference A, Conference B. The two bottom teams are the Cheetahs and the Kings. After five games. The Cheetahs have a points difference of 101, minus 101. And that included a draw. Um, and the Kings have got a points difference of minus 72. Um, and they've actually had a win in that in those five games as well. Um, so the Kings are going better than the Cheetahs? The Kings are going better than the Cheetahs, yep. Um, now, the next worst team uh, is, is the Dragons, who have been perennial bottom dwellers uh, in, in Wales. Um, they're on minus 46 points. So the um, the Kings are 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 30-odd um, points worse over five games than the Dragons by points difference, um, and the Cheetahs are more than double. More than double? It's 80-odd points difference there. On points, the Cheetahs on points difference are minus 101. Yep. The Dragons are minus 46, uh, and that's after five games. Well, hang on. So the table that I'm looking at, so yep. Cheetahs 101, and then above them in their conference is Zebra, if I've yes. said that right. Sure, but in conference B, you'll see the Dragons. Ah, yep. Yep, yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you've done. I see I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, we, we, the, the, the Cheetahs became sort of semi-competitive uh, at times uh, last season, um, and the Kings, I mean, have just been an absolute... Basket, basket a couple yeah. of years now, um, but the Cheetahs lost a lot of players during the off season, and you kind of wonder. I'm kind of thinking, are they going to be able to grow? Is this actually a good move for China? For, for China, um, for Chinese rugby, um, for South Africa, um, or is it just is it just basically become a shop window for them for their players? I don't know what it is. To tell you the truth, but looking at that compared to you know last year, so like the Cheetahs were doing you know. Relatively okay going into a new competition, etc. I believe they were sort of even um, in the top four in the conference at, at times. Um, but to see the results that now, it's just like it was just basically a, a flash in the pan uh, type scenario. You, you don't know. You can't see this going anywhere but down. Obviously, last year with the success of the Cheetahs had um, in the Pro 14, there was all the talk of, oh, how many more South African teams would go in there? And then obviously the logical conversation would be around, or oh, who you're dropping out of a Pro 14, or do you expand it? But that's another discussion. But you know, there was that effect: is that oh, they're doing so well, then more South African teams will come. And it's just like, well, that was just a flash in the pan. Obviously, they, they can't sustain the um, teams in a Pro 14 if they're propping up both conferences. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean this was I mean, Italy was doing that for for, for a number of years. Um, but over the last two years, last year particularly, I mean, uh, particularly uh, we've seen um, uh, we've seen uh, both um, Benetton um, yep. and um, or and uh, um, and Zebra uh, both improve. I mean, I'm not saying that by any stretch that they're about to start challenging for the competition, 
Um, but um, but yes. So I'm just going to share my screen. I'm not asking you probably you won't be able to see this, um, but I will. I'll, I'll, I'll describe it to you. Um, okay, it's not showing the screen I wanted it to, uh, which is not. Uh, yeah, well, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to want to work. Sorry, folks. Um, but looking at uh, at this players in. Um, we got one, two, three. Uh, sorry, so um, Badhurst, Davis, Frush, Grief, Quora, Seward, Venter, Venter, Schumann, Schwerpol, Van Schluck, Voster, Steinman, Vandermeer, uh, Conrad, Dupree, Steenkamp, Jonker, Milan, Jansfeld, De Haas, Stannard, Coertzi, McQuinn, Kalis, uh, Mafurka. 26 players in into the into the uh, into the cheetahs squad um not quite so many out but uh, 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10. 19 players out 26 players in now that kind of turnover is is crazy um and they're not going to build they're not going to build that's not that's not that's not kind of growth and building um scenario that's what was the driver what was the driver for the turnover um, if we look at the the where where the, where the players um, out are are, are going, um, there's an awful lot of uh, um, there's a couple there's, there's, there's a couple of, so one injured one not named um, three of them go to other um, South African teams, but uh, about half of them go to Japan. Um, Three of them go to France, and three of them to Wales, and one of them to to England. So as I say, it becomes it's, it, it appears that it's become a shop window. Mm. Um, I was gonna I was gonna ask that question. Basically, is like basically have the sort of says, oh, hang on, now we want to go play Super Rugby. So the you know Super Rugby sides picking them up. Obviously, you mentioned the Japanese sides. Uh, I hadn't actually put, taken that into account. Um, but obviously the easier rugby with better money in Japan, and then obviously the really good players, if they really shine the light in Europe, they're gonna, you know, the French guys come along and cherry pick them, don't they? Yeah, so I mean, one's gone to Montpellier, another one to Bayon, and one to um, Royalac. Now that so one has gone to Div Two in France, the other two are in uh, actually two of them to Div Two, one to Div One, I think. Um, well, there's seven players heading over to Japan, uh, two to Scarlets, one to Ospreys. So there's been three of them going to Wales. Um, then one one to Worcester Warriors um, as well. So yeah, it's it does become it does look like it has become much more of a kind of a shop window. All the players um, coming in have all come in from um, uh, well, not all of them, but the majority have come in from um, uh, South African teams. A couple from have come back from uh, uh, returning from from Japan, but yeah, on the whole, it's been it, it is South African South African players moving in. Interesting, considering if you do say it's a shop window, shop window players going to Ospreys and Scarlets are in the same competition. <laughs> they are, but they're getting yeah, they're getting, but they're getting getting picked by by teams with more money, basically. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what I mean by by by, by it's, yeah, it's, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yep. So yeah, it doesn't look to have been a, a fantastic experiment um, to, to 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 start off with. Um, I don't believe the Kings have been quite so. Decimated, but then again, let's be honest. Last year they didn't do quite so well, so they're probably not as in demand either. Um, the kings, kings have never been decimated at any stage in their existence. They, um, <laughs> they've just been down there. Oh, no, they, they, to be fair, a lot of players did leave after Super Rugby before they went to the Pro 14 because um, yep. they'd all found themselves new jobs. Uh, and yep. They didn't know what was happening. They had no security. Um, yep. But if you look at the turn, I mean, the turnover in the Kings has been much less. Uh, and also, if we look at where their players have gone to. Um, They've uh, generally gone to South African teams rather than uh, overseas. I mean, two of their players South have left. So when you say South African teams, Super Rugby South African teams or the Curry Cup South African teams? Uh, Curry Cup South African teams. So basically they've, they've decided that they're not. I mean, they Remember, they, they put together their squad last year uh, with about a month's notice or two months' notice. So it was basically who is available will have you. Um, Get where so what's based what 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 we've seen then is that the players that uh, haven't stood up and and been good enough have gone back have gone back to uh, their Curry Cup sides 
um, and the players have done well in the Curry Cup, uh, be it either the Premiership or the Championship, because a bunch of players from Eastern Province Elephants, who I've never heard of before, um, have joined the side. Um, so the um, so yeah, so I think yeah, they've then cherry picked the best players who who haven't gone Super Rugby um, from the Curry Cup to to come into the uh, the, the in, into the Kings. So the most important question: How long does this experiment carry on before they the Pro 14 says, "Now nah, see you bye"? Well, my understanding was it was a five-year deal from memory. Okay. So this is year two, and uh, ain't, if we look at someone like the um, the Sunwolves, you know, Sunwolves have uh, taken what it's a year, three years now, or is it two mm-hmm. years now in the three years now in the in Super Rugby? Um, yeah, I think it's three. And they've um, and, and they've started to to become competitive and, and, and beat some sides. So to expect that the uh, that the cheaters and the the kings would become, and especially the southern kings, would become competitive straight away was was never going to happen. It was going to take time. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, you're right on the southern kings, but the cheaters have been around long enough to have a a team. They didn't have all the disruption like the Southern Kings did around with they had a team, didn't have a team signing up players. So the cheaters really shouldn't be in the boat that they're in. No, they shouldn't be. They should have um they they, they should again be competitive at home and yep. probably struggling on the road, which is what they were last season. This season they're not even competitive at home. Um they they did get a thirty nine all draw, um, which leaves question marks on both sides' ability to defend, uh, to be honest. But um the but other than that, yeah, they've uh, they've 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 lost all their games. Yeah, I can so, confirm the Sunwolves have been going for three years. The um, and yeah, and, and remember that in this in this year, what they they beat um, the Stormers, um, the Bulls, and um, oh, somebody else. Can't come blank now. But they not the Blues, not the Blues this time. No, um, <laughs> um, but the, yeah, I mean they they and, and, until they rested their players. Uh, and they're international players for the June window, and they obviously they and and their their tour to Australia was a bit of a farce. Uh, but until that happened, they were, um, I say, they were they were a competitive side. So they they definitely they, they they it took them three years to step up. Um, hopefully that's what we we'll see we'll see from the Kings. But um, the experience of the Cheetahs is as soon as you get decent players, uh, they're going they're going to go for more money. So we'll just yep. have to see how that um, how, how well, that kind of pans out. I suppose that comes down to the cheaters becoming better at their um, back office management, isn't it? You, you, when you're signing your players, you're going to have to be um, putting uh, longer contracts in front of them so that you don't like, oh, yep, they they, they shine in um, Pro 14 and they're snapped up because their contract's over. Yep, there's uh, or, or they're going to have to get some more money from the SRU, uh, and that so yeah, the cash they get from this is enough to. Um, to support themselves uh, and have have similar budgets to the other uh, super the other the other Pro 14 teams. Would would the would Saru give them more money? Why would Saru give them money? They're, they're going out and yeah. Well, their players are still available for the uh, for, for 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 this for the spring box. Spring box, yep. That's not changed, uh, and um, you don't know how much of the Pro 14 money TV money are they getting, and how much of that is SIU uh, using. For other mm-hmm. purposes, mm. Mm. Um, so who knows? Uh, that's that's that was kind of interesting. That's what's happening there um, over in the Viva Premiership. It's looking like a two-horse race with the uh, with, with Saracens and the Exeter Chiefs, both having won five games out of five. Um, the uh, Exeter Chiefs did slip up last weekend and didn't get a try bonus point for the first time. Um, whereas Saracens continued with five try bonus points uh, from five games. So it's looking like a two-horse race for those two teams. Wasps um, have lost one game and sit in third. Everybody else has got a losing or at best a, a drawing record. Um, so from fourth down to twelfth, uh, it's uh, it's looking like uh, most teams can beat each other and who knows where they, how, who, who's actually going to get relegated this year. But it's, uh, it looks like a very open season. Um, apart from the top three, and then um, quick look at top fourteen, and uh, Toulon, amazingly enough, have uh, have dropped like a stone, um, and it's just going to show that basically, I mean, they sit eleventh out of fourteen 
currently in the uh, in, in the top 14 um having lost four games and won two um you got to say that they that, yeah that, but it shows that just buying a team and buying players isn't uh, doesn't always work and basically since Johnny Wilkinson has left it does appear that they have uh, kind of gone downhill since then with the whole team morale and a lot of players a lot of people players around that organization did say at the time that he that uh, whilst he didn't demand it of other players just because he was so conscientious and so hard working that other players would naturally um do the same sort of thing oh absolutely you know look um it's 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 not it's not unique to the sporting field is it is the fact is that you get a leader within your organization that puts in the hard yards and people feel compelled to follow um so if you do get your best player in the team or one of the top players that really puts in the hard yards um that, that puts in the extra effort that, that new kid that's just got his first year in that team he's gonna he's gonna see that at work ethic and he's going oh that's what i need to do to be at the top in the corporate environment it's no different you see a your manager that puts in the hard yards and you sort of think oh yeah i want to he's doing it i do it too he's not just telling me to do it i'm doing it he's doing it i'm doing it too yeah and you look at some of the the, the, julian survey has just gone there um now julian's wonderful winger great player uh but uh his self-discipline during the off season wasn't always the best um let's be honest and Mm -hmm. uh and so if you if put, put him in an environment uh, and you get a number of other players like there, I mean, Marnonu, um, uh, another player who at super rugby level um, and during off season wouldn't necessarily uh, be, be fantastic. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think who else has kind of, kind of been there, but there'd be a number of players there who haven't, uh, yes, they don't necessarily have the same uh, self-discipline as they say uh, to, um, and if you don't have a professional setup around you to, to help you with that discipline, then, yeah, you can see how it might come off the rails. And there is, there is a lot of talk about, yeah, that, the, that for quite a few of the French organisations, French teams, whilst they might spend the most money, they aren't necessarily the most professionally run um, or professionally coached teams um, around there. If you look at the teams at the top end of the table, you're looking at teams like Clermont, who historically have had uh, foreign coaches, um, Stade Francais, uh, Racing 92, obviously it's had people like Johnny Sexton, Dan Carter, um, in, uh, uh, now it's got, um, Finn Russell. I, you got fl- I mean, foreign fly halves there. Let's suppose Dan Carter is someone who I think would have demanded, um, a certain level of uh, professionalism, even if he did do a bit of drink and driving, um, <laughs> during the week. Um, and Jamie Montpellier are up in are, are, are in top half as well. Uh, Leon have also got a, got a foreign coach, so you got to say that yeah, that um, that uh, perhaps some some of the better back office teams are floating to the top now, rather than just purely uh, cash teams um, to a yep. certain degree. Oh, look, I think I mean in rugby in particular, we've always seen it. It's not necessarily the team that's stacked with the players; it's the team that's got the best work ethic. The teams, the teams that put in the hard yards. The teams that do the extra work off the field that um, that rise to the top. Now, quick advert break. Um, don't forget you can you can help support the uh, driving mall by going to patreon.com forward slash driving mall. Uh, and for as little as a dollar a week, you can uh, um, you can support the show. Uh, got some interest. Hopefully, got some interesting uh, interviews lined up that will be released to patrons um, ahead of time with the, the, than to others. Um, one of the ones that we'll try and be doing later in the year, uh, once uh, once the international window is over, um, is I'm hoping to have a chat with Roger Randall about the uh, he he will be one of the assistant coaches for the Maori All Blacks who will be touring North and South America. Um, so I'm hoping to sit down with him uh, when he gets back from that tour to talk about the Maori All Blacks and that tour and how they come together um, uh, as a squad. I think that could be an interesting story. Uh, so um, hopefully I'll that that'll be. Uh, coming out in uh, in December sometime, um, and uh, hope and also I've been talking with the Waikato setup about trying to get some interviews around uh, the behind the scenes interviews that have been uh, that we've had some more had some of before as well. So hopefully those will happen this week. Um, finally, then 
player welfare. And let's get to the, the topic that was the title of the show. Um, when When is rotation um, basically throwing in game? Yeah, look, it's... Especially, obviously, we see it. We see it over here, don't we? I mean, like with the storm week, um, where you got to do your player management through that period. Um, some teams storm week isn't as bad as other teams storm weeks. I mean, like Auckland, for example, have got their storm week coming up. They got Wellington uh, Thursday night, um, and then their storm week is Southland on Wednesday night. So you've nearly got a week there, but then they have got basically Northland on. Um, uh, on the Sunday. So you're going Thursday, Wednesday, Sunday. Not so bad. You've actually had teams that have played on a su- Saturday or Sunday, played on a Wednesday, and then had a Friday or Saturday game. So um, it can vary. Uh, and, and obviously the coaches have to think about how they're going to manage their players through it. But, yeah, it's it's it's, it's fraught with so much danger. You know, as, as you've sort of made in the notes, Wellington made 10 changes and lost to Waikato, and you wouldn't have expected that. Um, Auckland, um, obviously without a storm week, they did a high rotation against Otago. Their backline through injury mainly was so, it was basically uh, an under 20s backline for want of a term. And, and it showed through. So huge risk in rotation, but you've got to balance it up with player welfare. And in a short truncated competition like Mitre 10 Cuppers, I suppose you do have to look at making sure that you've, Players have gas in the tank. Uh, and look, in Auckland's case, when, as you say, when it's injury-driven, you fully understand it. Um, mm. Whereas uh, the the Wellington scenario, um, on the Friday, they played Southland and won 52-7. On the following Wednesday, um, with 10 changes, they played Waikato and lost 43-31. Um, and then on the, the Sunday, um, they played North Harbour and won 35-23. Now... Yep. Um, the and, and again, I'm, I'm pretty sure there were a whole a whole raft of changes between the side that went out um, against Northland than there were against um, well against Waikato during the during the midweek. Now, Southland haven't won in two years. Whilst I'm predicting them to win this weekend for the first time uh, in two years, uh, you've got to say that would that, that look like an easy game. Admittedly, Waikato had lost three in a trot going into that game. Um, and I think they basically took it a bit too easy. And I think ten changes was a bit uh, it, it was, was a bit too many. The example in Europe that's caused a lot of discussion is Bath rest, Bath changing thirteen players going into um, their game against Saracens. Um, and I was just listening to the Egg Chasers podcast today. Uh, and they they talked about it as well. Um, and apparently they, the Saracens and uh, Bath up to that point had used a similar number of players. I think Bath actually used a couple more, like 20 odd players uh, um, or 20 odd changes or something like that uh, in the first four games. And then in the fifth game, uh, you suddenly saw Bath go, well, we're going, we're traveling away to Saracens. We're going to lose anyway. So what we'll do is we will chuck, uh, the, game. chuck the game basically uh, in the hope that when Exeter come and visit us the following week in week six, we will put out our full strength side against them. Now, Exeter and Saracens are the top two sides in the, in the competition. They're separated by one bonus point. If I was an Exeter um, head coach, I would be furious that they've gone and rested 13 players for the away game and then for the home game, they're going to stack um, stack the side against them. That to me seems... Uh, it's devaluing the competition to me. How do you control it? How do you stop it happening? Um... I'm not sure. I don't, I don't really know how you can stop it happening. Uh, you can't, really, the, can you? I mean, I'm all for rotation. I do not believe in playing every player every single game um, and and, uh, and killing them. I, I, I think there should be um, something in the region, and I'm not quite sure how many, but somewhere between 25 and 30 games that players should be allowed to play in a season or in, in, in a 12-month period. I would start that 12-month period for Northern Hemisphere players um, at the end of May. So basically saying, right, the international games come first um, and then the uh, um, uh, and then and I would say and for, for down in, in um, uh, I don't think the Southern Hemisphere teams have the same issues. Um, but again, so we so you, you could probably start at the beginning of the year 
um, rather than starting it sort of before the rugby championship. Um, but um, I, uh, but th- that that so so yeah, I do believe in rotation. What I don't believe in is sending out a second team on mass. I mean, make make five changes every single game rather than making it thirteen in one. It's an interesting one though, isn't it? Because it's just like let's 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 take you know let's let's change the role of the coach and let's call him a manager. You're managing your season. You're looking at what's the best way to have the most successful season that your team could have. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that for your team it's about being number one. It might just be coming into the finals game sort of thing, post-season type environment. And this is like, okay, so the best way to achieve that is to basically roll out the Ilford second 11 um, onto the pitch. Um, why wouldn't you take that if, if, you know, because you're looking as a manager, you're looking at the whole season holistically. I understand. And uh, um, Rugby Saracens has, uh, on Periscope has, or on Twitter has gone and said, uh, this is a the, one of the Rugby United accounts. Um, do follow Rugby United, fantastic accounts. Um, but he's going to say, 13 changes is ridiculous. Can't all play Saris with sub-strength sides. Um, robs the fans. Um, and uh, yeah, the Saracens fans want to also see a proper competition, not their side just rolling over. Um, the opposition. Tickle um, my tummy. <laughs> now, part of um, perhaps your tummy. <laughs> um, part of the um, um, of of it, I, I guess. The only argument I can see coming up with it is is, is combinations. Is that you can say, oh, well, we spent two weeks practicing those combinations, so actually putting those combinations out is better than just rotating five. Um, but do you? I mean, I, I get what you're saying that yeah that so it gives all my players a, the, the, the week off, um, but I think you can I think there are, you, you can give your players a week off, uh, but uh, in a more in a in a more rotated fashion rather than just removing the whole lot. Um, one of the topics we'll be talking about tomorrow night is uh, is about how the All Blacks have changed since 2019. An interesting article in the uh, on, on Rugby Pass. Um, where they talk about the complexity of attack and how it's uh, how the complexity of attack has increased, um, and, and maybe that's part of it. Again, is that uh, is that it's about combinations rather than um, other things. Um, but uh, yeah, Robbie Saracens uh, obviously was 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 uh, was there, and he said, look, in, in Bath's case, um, Bath didn't practice um, those combos. It was an embarrassing one-sided game. Embarrassing one side again, um, and for Bath, one of the sides people have been talking about potentially being top six, uh, top four, even uh, that's just not acceptable, really. Um, and comes back to actually where why I don't actually rate Todd Blackadder as a coach. Um, I think we've talked about him before, uh, his and his record at the, at the Crusaders is that the nine uh, years, nine years there, no titles, uh, and then the guy who replaces him goes and picks gets it up. The, then. Two titles in two years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that speaks volumes, doesn't it? Really, um, when you mention that, actually, as it's like you had all that cattle for how many years, and and arguably um, that that first year that Scott Robertson won his title, then uh, Blackadder had teams that were stronger than that, and yet wasn't able to get it done. And I think one of the big things that we've seen, one one of the things that came out of. Um, of Blackadder's reign was that uh, the Crusaders are always slow starters, uh, and one of the things that's changed big time in this uh, in under Scotty Robinson is that the is that the Crusaders win their first game of the season. They they're they're up and at them straight away. Whereas yeah, look, and that's and yeah, he didn't seem to be able to structure preseason properly. Now look, it's it's a um, that whole Crusaders started you know start the season slowly. You know normally it's just. It's it's the same sort of um, comments used to be oh or you know, when Auckland was strong and it's just like oh they 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 come out and play rugby in September um, and that's when they really get it going it was all a load of bollocks both no, ways whoa 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 what's um, that how can you say it's rubbish when the Rebels' first ever overseas victory was against the Crusaders in the opening round of the season. But we know how weak the Crusaders really are. <laughs> <laughs> take off your take off your blue, oh, blue glasses. Um, yeah, that, 
it's, it's no, look, you have a one-off game, and but it's not season after season. They're not. It's, you have professional rugby is that you have to basically get up and running asap. You know, you have, first game you have to be, you know, you build into it a little bit. But these days, you've noticed in the last couple of years in particular that the um, handling mistakes. You go back ten years, sort of thing. And Super Rugby, those first few games of the season were um, mistake fests, basically. But if you watch the last couple of seasons of Super Rugby, the teams are up and running. The the, the handling errors aren't there. The uh, line-out issues aren't there. Uh, they're up and running and playing as they should be um, from the start of the season. Oh, yeah, that's what this one's trying to say. Though. I, I think that, that's why I don't rate Blackadder as a coach. because he, did, he didn't get his teams up and running straight away. Um, and that's yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of his. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it was wrong um, to change that many, uh, and yeah, not, uh, not, not, not happy with that. So, what games are you looking forward to this weekend? Oh, I think I mean it's it's like last week was really one of the games of the round was Wellington Tasman, um, two top four teams in the Premiership facing off. So this week it is Auckland Wellington. Um, you know, that's it's on a Thursday night. Let's, let's just rewind and uh, and actually say the game properly. It's Wellington Auckland. It's oh, Wellington Auckland. It's in Wellington, it's in which Wellington. is going to be a big yep. a big thing. Now Wellington yep. lost to Tasman last weekend. Um, that's right, and quite convincingly, really. And this is where where um, Wellington uh, have a problem is up front. Their back division is the equal of anybody's, um, but they yeah. Their, their pack can be a bit lightweight at times. Um, yeah. I think that's where the that, that that's where Tasman really took them to took them to task. And it's going to come down to yeah, can can Auckland's forwards um, boss it? Really, I think yep. is, going to, is, is the question. I think they will. Um, I think the Auckland forwards will because they bossed the Tasman pack around. So um, I, I think they will. What it will come down now, to... Now, a, a team isn't only one player, but they bossed the uh, Tasman back around with uh, Patrick Tupelotto in three tries. <laughs> <laughs> okay, without Patrick, they bossed Canterbury around. <laughs> but um, it'll come down... And they, Auckland will win the game as long as they don't make errors. Because as you've said, that, that Wellington backline is the equal, if not better, of any other um, premiership backline. Um, so if they, if Auckland makes mistakes, loses the ball, like they left the ball lying at the back of the ruck for Otago's first try, you know, Wellington will pounce on that and take advantage of those errors. Yep. No, you're right. I mean, that, that's one that stands out in the, uh, the Mighty 10 Cup. Um, I will be at Waikato, uh, sorry, Northland versus Waikato, um, which will be my eighth province of the year, um, uh, which is why I'm heading up there. Uh, it'll be an okay game, but, um, but yeah, not that that one is actually. I think that's actually first versus second in the championship. Um, so important for home um, finals there. Um, but um, yeah, not the cracker that Wellington versus Auckland should be. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting because I think the um, that that is unfortunate that that Wellington Tasman game um, I think didn't quite live up to the expectations because it was quite a difficult night in terms of the wind conditions. I think that sort of had a bit of an impact on the game. Yeah, it's been in Wellington. What a surprise. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, looking at the Premiership, a couple of games that stand out. I mean, you've got Sale versus Newcastle, two sides we didn't expect to be in the relegation battle, but are now in 11th and 12th. So that, that's, um, that, that, that's obviously got a lot, um, a lot riding on it um, in, in, in that one. Over in uh, the, um, the Pro 14, um, there are some crackers there because we've got uh, Scarlet's hosting Ospreys. Cheetahs um, versus um, Kings. No, not Cheetahs versus <laughs> um, Cheetahs are away to Edinburgh, which I'm expecting Edinburgh to hump them, to, to, to beat them quite comfortably. Um, and the Kings are away to Treviso, uh, much improved Italian side. So Treviso win that one quite comfortably as well. No, we are Ospre- uh, Scarlet's Ospreys, two of the, the two sort of top sides in Wales, uh, which should be a cracker. And Leinster versus Munster. Um, now Munster haven't won away all season. They've uh, got three home wins and two away losses, um, but that one also um, should be uh, uh, should, should, should be a cracking game. Um, I must admit, I'm not looked at the top fourteen games yet, um, but um, 
the uh, so so yeah so I'm not sure what's 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 over there. Obviously though the game there are two games. You've got the can the Springboks beat the All Blacks back to back? So that's uh, that that's at three I think three or four o'clock in the morning um, on uh, on Sunday. So I won't be watching that one live. But also can the Pumas beat the Wallabies back to back? Which must be a first time ever. I can't believe Argentina have beaten the Wallabies back to back previously. Um, as we said earlier, the, the 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 Pumas are slight favourites according to the bookies. So those so a couple of cracking stories, if potentially not games, because I think the All Blacks will thump um, South Africa quite comfortably. Ooh. Um, oh, oh, it's just there are certain games the All Blacks just just, just do don't refuse to lose, um, and that is going to be one of them. Um, the only concern that I have there is the fact is that if um, you know it's the it's the negative Nelly in me I suppose, but um, you know it's if South Africa can get their um, sort of mojo up if they get that sort of early points on the board and they get the confidence going then it could be dangerous for the All Blacks. In saying that, you know, look, it's difficult to say without sounding like I'm one-eyed. <laughs> All Blacks fan, but Jesus Christ, you can't. The fact is that South Africa got super lucky to win the one in uh, in Westpac in Wellington. Um, you know, there were some uncharacteristic mistakes from the All Blacks um, on the try line. Effectively, one of those converted, and they lose the match. Take a drop kick, they lose the match. You know, so um, I, I think they were super lucky to be in the position. There was two. Uh, an intercept try and a pass from Geordie Barrett to Willie LaRue. Uh, you know, there was two tries in there in the game that um, really made, you know, you take those two tries, that's a totally different ball game. So, you know, yeah, I, I think the only thing is that if they do get a bit of confidence up early, then the All Blacks could be in trouble. But, you know, that's my heart and sort of being frightened. Um, but, but your head's sort of saying they got lucky in Westpac. Yeah, I mean, Dan James Chalk uh, on uh, Periscope has said uh, box to win by 10. Um, their forwards have the confidence going in. And yeah, no, the box do have a lot of confidence going in. They're back-to-back wins. They've beaten the All Blacks. They've beaten the Wallabies. Um, uh, and um, and they're under... And, uh, but um, but even so, I still think that uh, the All Blacks... Yeah, as you say, there was a, they gave away two... Uh, there, were, there were two uncharacteristic tries given... Um, I wouldn't say given away, but were definitely... But uh, were hustled into that they, that they wouldn't normally... Um, allow in. Uh, they also left so many points out in the park via yeah. um, Barrett's boot. I um, mean, he's kicking Barrett's best. boot, missed opportunity. Um, so, so to me, so yeah, so I, I, I it's, uh, um, I, 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 I think they will, they'll, they'll, yeah, be comfortable, comfortable black, all blacks win. Um, and then the Pumas versus uh, the Wallabies, um, I think will be a, a very tense game. Uh, I'm not sure the quality uh, it could, it could turn into a bit of a, um, a bit of an arm wrestle. You sort of um, you'd expect the Argentinians to go on and complete it, though. Yeah, absolutely. They they need to not for the rugby championship, but to build that belief towards the World Cup. Yep. And uh, hey. so so yeah, so okay, a couple of interesting storylines. I say, but I'm not necessarily saying that the games will be necessarily that great. Um, but I think the storylines bit the storylines leading up to the games is 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 fascinating on those two. You know, just just on an aside, just with the South Africans, the, the, the um, obviously the the win against the All Blacks in Wellington was on the back of massive defensive effort, massive. I suppose you can't say massive enough times to sort of show how how big it was, but it was again the same reason why they won against the the Australians, the Wallabies, was their defensive effort. You look at the stats, um, not quite as dire as when they played um, the All Blacks. But, you know, along those lines, in terms of the number of tackles made in that, it's not a game plan that is likely to work for them at a World Cup because of three games that you're going to basically have week after week where you're going to be relying on your defence to come through to win you the game. Your defence is starting, going to fatigue and by that third game. Yep, and uh, that's it's kind of what we saw from I mean, Eddie Jones' England, the way that England beats... Uh... Um, beat the Wallabies in Australia for, that, for the first time in um, however long, um, and that was again built off a lot of defence, and you've seen that crack now 
um, as I, uh, in, in the, the, the following year. Um, it's one of those things that, yeah, that, you, that you, you need to add something more to it. You need to hold on to the ball a lot more. Um, the other competition that's actually happening this weekend, so the, the Curry Cup is taking a weekend off, but um, I forgot to mention the NRC is happening. Um, and we have first versus third in Fiji Drua, who topped that competition, hosting um, Canberra Vikings in that one. So that should be uh, good. Um, and also Melbourne Rising versus Western Force. All the games between between Melbourne and Western Force going forward so are all going to be grudge matches. So that'll be an interesting one as well. Um, in that competition. So, thank you very much for joining me. Not a problem. And um, uh, everyone, don't forget to uh, like, subscribe, comment. Um, and as I say, the, these shows come out at 8pm uh, New Zealand time, uh, Monday to Thursday on the whole. Uh, missed out on Monday. Um, but um, tomorrow night we'll be back with the All Black edition and on Thursday we'll do a preview of the Rugby Championship Games. Um, hopefully we'll have the sides um, available to to go through those uh, and for, for that and um, but other, otherwise uh, you will find between about sort of six and seven o'clock I am um, getting out my prediction shows so if you want to um, uh, try and watch those live then hit the bell and you'll get a notification as I go live uh, and you can uh, join those um, on YouTube so thank you very much for joining me and uh, catch you all tomorrow <laughs>